Christian has asked me to come and talk to y'all about how to teach God's Word to your children. And um, I'll tell you a funny story. We were in Florida over spring break, and um, we were in St. Augustine. Has anybody ever been there? It's apparently the oldest city in the entire United States. I, I thought that was like Plymouth or something. My, my geography's all wrong. But there's this um, medieval fort and everything. Very cool. And we had our kids with us, which was so wonderful. We have teenagers, and we don't always get everybody together as often as we like to. And um, we expected some cloud coverage this one morning. So we thought this would be a great day to do some sightseeing in St. Augustine. And we, Brett and I, talked the night before. Before. Let's do let's do this and that, and then we can take them over here. They oh they love this. So we had these fun plans. And the next morning at breakfast, we were sort of well, Brett especially was saying, you know, I don't know. And the kids, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And Brett kept saying, oh, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. And our youngest, who's 12, said, Dad, let your yes be yes and your no be no, because anything else is of the evil one. Matthew 5:37. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, be careful what you ask for. So we're going to launch into teaching our children God's Word, for better or for worse. Um, which leads me to sort of a heartfelt confession. I really, truly feel very inadequate to do this for a lot of reasons. So anything that you get out of this will come straight from God's mouth or my mistakes. And I'm just telling you that up front. Um, the fact that our 12-year-old quoted scripture was not a result of our input. It was actually a result of his small group leader here at Watermark. So, um, who, they're all tremendous blessings to our kids. So, anyway, thank goodness that we um, serve a God who is not interested in our shortcomings, but who actually is interested in our faithfulness. And he doesn't call us to perfection. He calls us to perseverance. So, that's what we're here for. But let me pray just real quick before we start. Um, Father, I thank you. I thank you for these women and the opportunity to share your word with them as they share your word with their children. And um, we are so grateful that you cared enough to communicate your love to us through your word, your son. And it is in his name that we ask for your blessings and open hearts this morning to hear what you have to tell us. Amen. Okay. I, I noticed y'all don't have your Bibles with you, so I kind of came half prepared for like the AV show and your Bibles, and this is a Bible study. So if, if you're like, slow down, I don't, you know, I, I, stop me. Feel free to stop me because that's kind of how I'm, I'm prepared to do this. So I may be stopping to do the reading myself since I expected maybe you would have, you know, um, your Bibles with you. We're going to navigate through Deuteronomy 6 this morning, and I'll be reading it for you. Um, I have found this to be a great passage when it comes to helping teach your children God's Word. But i got to tell you, we would really be missing the boat not to recognize that teaching our children God's Word encompasses a whole lot more than just a real fun, creative list of ideas. Um, when my children were really young, they were, you know, preschool and below, I had to fill out this questionnaire one time for something. I don't even know what it was for. And it asked me, it said, what do you do to nurture your children's spiritual development? And I thought about it. I thought about it. And I... Um, I really had a hard time with it because I couldn't, I couldn't seem to reduce something so huge to a list. And I thought that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a list, but I can't, I can't just. I'd be here all day long. I mean, I could, I could list the basics, but to me, it was much bigger than that. And then God reminded me that He had already put it into words for me in Deuteronomy 6. So let me read you real quickly this passage. Deuteronomy 6, chapter 5 says, starts with this. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And 8 and 9 go on to kind of paint a picture of what this would really look like. Um, so, 
here's what I've done. Out of that passage, I see four major sections in the passage, um, along with some personal and some practical applications, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, when it came to the personal applications, I had 11 pages worth of things I felt like we as mothers could do that would help us be more effective communicators of God's Word. These 11 pages, my husband succinctly summed up in two words. <laughs> Follow Christ. Isn't that just like a man to do that? Okay. Um, Deuteronomy 5. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Isn't it so like God to start with us pulling our act together before we try to do it to our children or anybody else? Um, God knows that without a deep love for him, a love that consumes every single part of our life, that everything else he asks us to do in this passage is difficult, if not impossible. Now, I'm not here to burden you this morning. I really do want to encourage you, but this, I cannot tell y'all as a new mother how critical this is because you're busy, you're frantic with so many other things, and it would be so easy. I, I have been there, and I am still living it. It is so hard to pursue my love for God. And um, that's really, really where we have to start. Um, one of the best ways to fall mad, crazy in love with God is to realize how much He loves us. We all know John 3:16. He loved us so much He gave His Son. Gratitude really does have a bonding effect. And um, I was I was thinking about this in light of organ donor recipients and organ donors, and um, they they are profoundly aware of the sacrifice that was made on their behalf. And it's this awareness and this gratitude that really creates an just an indescribably intimate relationship. And I wanted to read you something that I just I think is so neat. This is a, an article that was in the Associated Press. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this young bride had just received a heart transplant. Um, and she's preparing for her wedding day. And I want to read you this real quick. With only minutes to go, she'll be walking down the aisle. Leslie, suddenly nervous, quivering from jeweled tiara to satin-covered toe. She clutches her bouquet with both hands. Her breath comes in shallow bursts like a sea diver rationing oxygen. Her eyes well with tears. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts, says her bridesmaid, Belinda Pathy. Her voice is calm in the grand tradition of all supporting bridesmaids. Happy thoughts. These two, bride and bridesmaid, know too well that happy days are precious. They also know firsthand how generosity from a stranger can change everything. Less than eight years ago, Leslie was near death. Her family had said their goodbyes. The doctors said only a heart transplant could save her life. Leslie was saved from those statistics by an 11th hour transplant. Her new heart came from a 23-year-old man. Leslie's bridesmaid, bridesmaid, Felinda Pathy, was the mother of the 23-year-old man whose heart she'd been given. When I saw Leslie the first time, said Belinda, I loved her immediately. She was like my child. I felt the closeness a mother would feel for a daughter. Leslie now feeling over Leslie remembers feeling overwhelmed with gratitude and she struggled with how to put her feelings of appreciation into words. This person had to die for me. This person had to give his life for me. So for me, getting to know this person has helped. When they first met, Pathy had one request. She wanted to feel Leslie's heart. I hugged her and she hugged me back and I could feel her heart beating against my ear, says her bridesmaid. But I knew I never ever wanted her not to be a part of my life if she felt the same way. So now Pathy prepares to watch her good friend walk down the aisle, her new heart beating faster than usual. Would her son and Leslie have been good friends, I asked her. Pathy just smiles. Gary and Leslie, she said, are good friends. Isn't that amazing? I, I just thought that was such a beautiful picture. Um, when we understand God's love for us, our hearts, our hearts should just kind of get settled. All, all the mother things we do, all the mother things we're anxious about, all the future things we're projecting should just settle in. And we should take a great big breath. And just say thank you, Lord, for everything, but especially that. And we should say we are very good friends. And that's where everything else starts. 
Um, now with any good friend who becomes an intimate part of our life, we begin to learn about this relationship that so affects who we are and what we do. And the same is true of our relationship with God. So as mothers, we're looking at this again personally in verse 6, Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 tells us, this is, learn God's word, but let me show you how they phrase it, how he phrases it here. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. The phrase, be on your heart, comes from the word impress. And it's the same word that's found in Deuteronomy um, 11, 18, which says, you shall impress these words of mine on your heart. The literal picture is to place or to put the words there. Um, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he wrote them on stone. Remember that? But God made it clear that his word is to be more than just memorized. This goes for us as well as for our children. He's written his law on our heart to be experienced, not just memorized. So this covenant of love, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.3, is written not in ink, but it's written with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And the Jews later took this to an extreme, literally, and they literally wrote the law of God, y'all know this, the law of God on parchment, and they packaged it in little pockets of leather, which they put, literally wore on their foreheads and on their arms, and they wore it around. And um, God is not interested in us wearing his word. He's really interested um, in it being displayed for everyone to see from the inside out. And, and that's, why we, that's why I think in Deuteronomy he spends some time talking about this before he ever tells you how to teach your children God's word. Um, it's why we learn it from the heart, not just, okay, why do we learn it from the heart and not just the head? Well, information from the head informs, but information from the heart transforms. And that's really what we're after when we're teaching our children God's Word. We want transformation. We do not want robots that, are, that obey beautifully in front of our community group, who can recite scripture at Christmas in front of Aunt Melody. You know, th this is big, it's so much bigger than this. I know y'all know this, but I, this is just a great reminder. It's a great reminder. Um, learning God's Word from the heart is important because it's really hard to teach what we have not learned. Which moves us to our next category in verse 7, which I've titled um, Lead, but it's really, it's really teach. Let me read you this. Um, verse 7 says, And you shall teach these words of mine. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. Um, it, 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 we're still on that personal application here, even with this. And it's true, it is true, that before we can teach our children God, God's Word, we ourselves need to be taught God's Word. So what's involved here is really a quick, and I'm going to be, I'm not going to lie to you, kind of a painful self-examination. Um, and I have to do this too almost every day. The question I need to ask myself is, in regards to learning God's Word, Am I teachable? If I am not submitting myself and am really teachable and have a pliable heart before the Lord, it is going to be very difficult for me to impart that kind of submission and desire to obey God's word to my children. And my second question I really want to ask myself is who or what is teaching me? Now, y'all, this, this one's really important for us because we live in a very... Um, we live in a crazy culture. Are you being taught mainly by the neighbor down the street? Are you being taught by People Magazine? Are you being taught by Oprah? Who, where do you receive, the, I would say, most of, of your teaching? Because it really does come out in what you do. And, and it takes some analyzing to look at that. We're all products of our instruction. If I consistently allow my flesh to do the teaching, I will never be able to take new ground in my spiritual growth. If my pride has kept me from, first of all, trusting Christ or even growing in Christ, 
First Peter tells us to be like hungry nursing newborns, longing for that pure milk of the word and that by it we can grow in respect to salvation. Um, it's okay to be a baby in Christ as long as you're pursuing that pure milk of the word. But maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and your continuing education hours have occurred in the nursery. You know, where it all began. Um, we get great encouragement from Paul. He puts it very delicately in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. He says, concerning him, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become so dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles and or- of oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature, who come to practice, and they practice these things. Um, and they've, um, the practice of their senses have been trained to discern good and evil. I will tell y'all, one of the biggest things that, just, just an observation of mine, that sets apart um, those mothers who have really grown in the word and are in it, and who are really practicing it is that discernment. And I've seen it a lot. There, there's a lot of innocence and not knowing that goes with indiscretion. But the, the more we are in God's word, all of a sudden, that, the discernment, the whole good and evil thing, what's right and what may not be a good idea, really becomes very, very clear. Um, Okay, now we're on to live. When we are loving God's Word and we're in relationship with Him and we're learning God's Word and being led and taught by God's Word, we will live God's Word out. Verse 7 says, And you shall then talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. See, when we are consumed with Christ and our love for Him, we literally inhale and exhale Him with every breath. It becomes such a natural thing. It is so natural. It is just like breathing. It's Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I myself no longer live. It's Christ now who lives within me and brings me life. It's Acts 17.28. In him we live and we move and we have our being. It is completely being consumed. Your life in Christ lived faithfully before your children is the most beautifully illustrated version of the Bible they will ever read. So true. Okay, we've looked at love, learn, lead, and live, and how it plays out sort of in our own lives. Um, I know that you're here to get some practical help, and so here's where we here's where it comes in. I'm not going to send you out the door empty-handed, but we have to start there. Um, let's take a look at how these things play out practically in our life with you know our children. Let's start with love. There is a direct correlation, you all, between the depth and authenticity of our relationship with Christ and our effectiveness at communicating God's word to our children. Early on, when my children were, were little, they were you know preschoolers, teaching them to love God was a real top priority for me. And I'll tell you why. It has to do with broccoli. Um, it's true. I, I knew broccoli was a really, you know, good food. It was good for my children. And I knew they might not like it. Chances, big chances were that they would not like it. No matter what I said about it being a cute little tree or whatever, I, I knew that they were going to say, yeah, calling that number. They, we're not buying that. But um, I also knew that my chances of getting them to like broccoli were a whole lot better if I really liked broccoli. And um, my hope was that one day, see, being exposed to my great love of broccoli, they would one day choose broccoli on their own because they came to understand really fully that it was so good for them. And um, it is really, you know, it's the same way. And I went with, with God, and I realized that I was not always going to be around to strongly suggest the most appropriate healthy choice, you know, of anything. I knew one day they would leave my house and I would not be there anymore to suggest what is appropriate. Um, If I could just train their hearts early on to love God and to be drawn to Him, I, I realized my workload would be cut in half. 
because I can defer all of the big issues of life to God. See how that works? So instead of saying, you know, um, you know, instead of saying, talk to the hand, talk to the hand, I'm not, I could say, talk to the man, talk to the man, just talk to him, take up with him, you know him, you love him, you try, ask him what he thinks. And, and it was, I think it's a pretty, I think it's a really great strategy. And so far it has worked really well. I'll tell you from personal experience. Um, so I believe really from my heart, and I've seen it play out, that when they love Christ, they're compelled to cling to Him. That is what you want. I know it's hard to hear when you're holding your infant that the whole reason you have him is to let him go. I know that is a painful thought. And, and there's something about them depending on us that is wonderful and it feeds us and we, there's a part of us that kind of needs it and we love it. We love to be depended on by them. But your goal is for them to depend on their Savior. So every tiny little thing we do to encourage that is such a ble- will eventually be a blessing to them and eventually be a blessing to, to us. So how do we teach a toddler or a preschooler to love God and His Word? It takes very little convincing. Most of the time we teach this right out of our children. They really are. I know we're born sinners. I know that. And I I know we're not naturally born seekers or lovers of God necessarily. But I will tell you, preschoolers, y'all, they eat it up. And I would say, first of all, in teaching a preschooler or a young child to love God, the first thing you do is you just tell them that's what we're going to do. And they go, okay. They're happy. They're happy to love God. So this is, of all the things I'm going to tell you, this is, this is the easiest thing. You just tell them, and they're happy to do it. Um, secondly, there's a little bit of show and tell that goes on with a preschooler in terms of getting them to love God. And what I mean by that is they're looking at your life, and there are several things you can do to show and tell them that you love God. One of them is just general acts of kindness um, to neighbors, to your friends, to people that they see you interact with, um, and, and to do these acts of kindness in Jesus' name and to verbalize that to them. We are making, we are making Mindy down the street some banana pudding because we love Mindy. And did you know God loves Mindy too? And the reason we love Mindy is because, is because God loves Mindy. We love because God first loved us. Don't you love God? I mean, I'm telling you, you know, this goes on and on. This could go on and on. But the, the, the more they see you reach and out and love other people, the more they get it. Oh, this is a God of love. Of course I love him because he loved me first. Um, having visible quiet times. And y'all, I know, you're, I mean, you're like, quiet times, I'm barely getting up out of bed to, you know, to, to get breakfast made for everybody in the family, changing diapers, I'm exhausted. Um, and this will play out more importantly, really, when you have toddlers or preschool-age children, but, and I still struggle with this. A lot of times, I prefer, honestly, to get up before anybody else does, or, or when they're napping, and that's when I'm going to do my quiet time. But your children need to see you devouring God's Word. They need to see you with the Bible open. They need to see you on your knees. They, they need to visibly see you. I have true confessions, there have been times. I've already had my quiet time, and I'll hear them coming down the stairs, and I'm quick. But the reason I do it, I've already had my quiet time. The reason I do that is because I am convinced that it is so important that they know I love the Savior with every single bit of my being and every tiny thing I can do to convince them of, of the sincerity of that is a good thing. Um, consistent, heartfelt, expressed mealtime prayers. And the reason why I kind of phrase it like that is... Um, I, I think the little songs that we teach our preschoolers are so sweet before prayer time. And, and they're, they're wonderful, and I love to hear their voices sing. But I would encourage you to consider the importance of also teaching them the importance of expressing verbally from their heart a thank you before a meal. Um, 
thank you have to do with that gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Tell, let's tell God how much we thank Him for this meal. Instead of words like, would you bless our, would you, would you say the blessing? You know, it's not a performance. This is a heartfelt expression, and the earlier we can teach them that you talk to God, um, I think the healthier the relationship with Him one day will be. Teaching your actual, um, treating your actual Bible with a great deal of care. This sounds kind of funny, but you know, do you, do you toss your Bible onto the couch? Um, do you leave it on the floor? I know it sounds odd, but, but children, they just pick up a lot of things. If you really love God, His Word is very, very precious. And we treat it very carefully because these are God's words and He loves us. So we want to show Him how much we love Him. Um, making Sunday worship a priority. This past Sunday, I had this talk, and I told you I had like mounds of preparation, and I was absorbed in it. And I was sitting at the table Sunday morning, and I thought, I really need to just sort of stay here, focus on this, and kind of get it finished. And then I thought, what am I thinking? And my first thought was, I will be teaching my children that there are other things really that are more important than God on Sunday morning, and that's okay. And I don't want my children to, I don't want them to get that. I want them to know how much I love the Lord and that He's a priority. Praying with them for their needs helps them develop a gratitude and dependence. We're still on love, but, but we love, right, because we're grateful for Him for what He's done for us. So praying for the things that we need is very important. And you, can, you start that right away. As soon as they're able to even toddle, you, you do that with them. Um, verbally and outwardly, outwardly displaying dependence on God. I have a friend who um, really struggles with fear and anxiety. And she, she very frequently, well, she's, she worries out loud. And her children observe her worrying out loud on this. So a lot of, a lot of our um, training them to love and know God's word is showing them that, that in God's word there is peace and rest. And he takes good care of us. And we don't have to worry about anything. This is another biggie. In, in teaching them to love God and depend on him, it is very important that we not manipulate situations and circumstances in order to rescue them. Um, and y'all, i got to tell you, the older they get, the more tempting this is to pick up that phone and make that phone call to that mother. Just because I think she should know that her son really was unkind to my son. And, and, and he was really basically a victim. And we are not appreciating that. I really want to speak to her, speak the truth and love to her. Okay. Let me tell you something. And with bullying and with all these other things, there are times that as mothers and, and our children's um, stewards of our children, it is important that we step in. We are their advocates. And, but here's where that discernment comes in. There are also times where you've got to fully believe in your heart that the Lord will take care of them in a given situation and let Him do it. Ask it of Him and let Him do it. They will learn. And um, I've, seen, I've seen so many children, my own included, rescued. When God could have had a great opportunity to, to move in and make Himself known personally, to them. Pray about it. And okay, here's the other thing. I have stuck my neck out there so many times I can remember praying, oh Lord, we have just prayed out loud with my child for this, uh, this over-the-top need. And they've heard me pray out loud. They've prayed out loud. Please show up. Don't embarrass both of us. And, um, but you know what? I, every time I do that, I do it in faith because I'm I just believe he will. And y'all, he has. And when he doesn't, because I'm rooted and grounded in God's word, you go back and you go, you know what? Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers like we always think he might. But what can we learn from this? What, what can we learn about God from this? Does he still love you? Yes. And here's how. It will never, ever, ever, ever be easier to teach your child to love God than it will be right now as a preschooler, ever. 
a preschooler is low-hanging fruit. (laughs) You know, this, I'm just telling you, I know you think this is the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. I can remember having the biggest pity parties. This, no one knows. This is so hard. And, um, and y'all, it is. But, but there are some joyful things about it. You ought to re- leave here and rejoice and go, hallelujah. It will never be easier than it is right now to, to teach my children these things because they're listening. They're listening. Christ's love for us is what held him to the cross. Our love for Christ is what holds us to him. And your children need to know this. And then your workload is cut in half. I want my children to consistently follow Christ because his love for them compels them to. Okay, now because our love for Christ, our children at this point start to kind of learn about him. And this is where we, you know, verse 6. Um, and I'm looking at learning God's word here really, really more in terms of what is caught, not taught. What I mean by that is in, in any day-to-day situation, we kind of learn about God by what we experience, what, what's kind of going on. And um, there's a poem that I gave you. It's a, it's a secular poem. It's called Children, I think, Live What They Learn. Or, no, Learn What They Live. And um, it's an old poem. It's been around for a long time. It hung in my aunt's house when I was a little girl. I remember looking at it, reading it. But I, I thought about what the Christian version of that would look like. And let me... Um, I don't really have it to give out to you because I haven't fully, you know, I didn't really type it out. And actually, I don't even know that I have it here with me. Um, what I might do, well, let me just get, let me just read you a few of these. In terms of, you know, teaching our children vicariously, kind of by what they observe going on. When we understand we're forgiven, 1 John 1, 9, then they learn to forgive. And I've got scripture references for all of these. Um, When we value truth, our children are committed to honesty. When we allow Christ to conquer our fears, then they learn to rest in him. When we love others and serve selflessly, they learn to put others first. When we respect authority, then they learn to obey God. And it goes on and on and on. There are several ways children learn about God. One of them is by example. Um, And I just have some questions to ask. Do my children see my relationship with Christ? Do they see that it's changed me? Do they see that it has inspired me? Do they see that it has convicted me and motivated me? Do they see it's moved me and encouraged me? What about my priorities? These these next two are are kind of dear to my heart. they're watching how you spend your time and what are my priorities telling them about God am I spending a lot of time on myself you know one of the things early on I thought about in light of this was I really don't really ever want this is going to sound so slick but we're all women and I'm just going to say this because we're all girls I thought it would probably be a good idea if my daughter, if I could get my makeup on before she came down and, you know, this is when she's a little bit older, because I didn't want her to see my ritual. And it's a big one. (laughs) And I thought, you know, I, I really wanted to just keep, I just would prefer to keep the fluff out of it so that she's not, I don't want her learning what I did. That, that, that that's an important thing that we do as women is we put ourselves together before we leave the house really excellently. Um, whatever. You know, but, but, but that, that's a small thing, but just in terms of our priorities, it's, it's good for us to be thinking along those lines. Um, and my choices. You know, when you have children, y'all, and you are trying to walk with Christ and do the, the, the leading and, and helping them learn about God, Sometimes we're not free to make the same choices that we used to make without our children around to watch us. That involves our, our, our reading choices, what we watch on TV. And the older your children get, the more important these things become. They're watching what you do. And they're, they're picking up all kinds of, of things. They also learn by experience. 
this is very interesting. What about my relationship with Christ have my children experienced? Am I angry? Am I impatient? Am I irritable? Am I anxious? Am I fearful? Am I critical? Am I envious? Am I selfish? They are watching us, and at some level they are wondering, does it work? Does it work? Um, Another way they learn is through exploration. This is a really fun one. There is a lot to learn about God just from the natural world. And I know y'all probably all do this, but I cannot think, honestly, one of my favorite and one of the best ways for a preschooler or a toddler to learn about God is through his creation. Um, Taking them to the zoo, um, the simplest natural phenomenon, rain, wind. Now, it's not enough to just point it out. Oh, did you feel that gust of wind? Woo! Woo! Um, There's more than that. There's what the wind is. Wow! Did you feel that? That was a, that that with that gust of wind was so big it it controlled me. It moved me. How could something invisible be so strong and have such control? Hey, that reminds me. God is just like that. We can't see him, but man, is he strong, and he can move our hearts. Let's go get that ice cream. It, it, it's a constant thinking through, and when you're when you're filled up with it, those kinds of things, you're thinking that that's nothing you've got to pull out of a bag or call your teacher friend and go, okay, I need some help. That that those kinds of things really do for all of us become natural. Comments like that, but exploring their world. Have you ever noticed that everything grows up? It grows up. Why does it grow up? And they'll say, well, the sun, yes, the sun. Do you know that, that all of nature praises God? Grass praises God. Trees praise God. Flowers praise God. And we can praise God, too, just like the things he made, because he made us and loves us. Do you see what I'm saying? I am so passionate about this. And this, is, this really, really is not difficult to do. It comes straight from our, from our hearts, from our insides. The last one I'm going to talk about expressing is another way they learn. Some of y'all that may have preschoolers might be saying to them, what did you learn, you know, today at Sunday school? What did you learn at church? What did you learn at Bible study? Having them tell you what they've learned is such a great way for them to really, um, for it to stick in their hearts. Having them narrate about their day or what fun thing they did. If you did make a meal for Aunt Mindy or you took, you know, Mr. Washington's paper and put it on his porch, tell Daddy what we did today to show somebody how much we love them. Hint, hint, you know. Um, Physical play is the same is the same way. Okay, now we would really fall short of our goal if we left the learning of God's word to kind of just what's caught and not what's taught, because we know that Scripture tells us to teach the word diligently. And this category is a little bit different. And here's where you might be thinking, okay, I'm not a teacher by profession, I'm not one by giftedness or by desire. And I know there are a lot of us that feel that way. I'm not a teacher, so this is, this is going to be hard for me. But I want you to take heart because the very best, most effective teaching does not take place in formal classrooms. Y'all, we all know that. It takes place in the lab of life every single day. We are providing our children with a spiritual context for every situation that they're in. Okay, this means a running commentary all day long on everything. No wonder God gave us 8,000, 9,000 words a day. Have you ever thought about that? Now, I've really spent some time thinking about this. If your husband has to sit when he gets home and listen to you, use up the rest of your words, you have not been teaching your children. I think God gave us those extra words for our children. That's why he gave them, though. Gave us those words. is because he knew that we needed to talk. So talk to your children. It, it, it grieves my heart when I see families out in public and the dad is reading a paper, the mom and dad are, are, are barely talking, and the kids are sitting there at the table stirring their french fries. The, the, there's, you, they should be talking. They should be talking. God gave us those words to use. 
as a teacher of God's Word, we are their tour guides. We're kind of like the docents of life. And we point things out. We say, did you know? Now, I know you're looking at this picture, but I want you to know something about this picture. Did you know the person who painted this picture painted it outside because they couldn't go inside because whatever the reason was? But, but what, whatever background information we can give them uh, broadens, their, broadens their world and it, it helps them see God. That's what we're here for, is to lead them to Him. We help them see things from a scriptural point of view. Um, pointing things out that might otherwise have been missed. And um, it helps them ponder God's truth as it relates to all of their life's circumstances. Okay, this is so funny, but my kids, when they were, uh, occasionally I still do it. But I was anticipating a big sex talk from the time they were born. And I was thinking, oh, that's just going to be so awkward. And, you know, what are we going to say? And so I, I kind of geared up for it thinking, okay, I'm, we're just going to talk about it from the get-go. We're gonna, because I'm a big talker. Can you tell? We're just gonna, we're just gonna talk about this early on. We're gonna get out in the open, and we're just, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kind of feed them gradually. So every time I would cut an apple, did you know every living thing has a seed? Every time I cut, you know, open up an orange, did you know every living thing has a seed? My t- finally, my kids are like, we know, we know, every living thing has a seed. But eventually, I, you know, eventually, I'm convinced they're going to get it. So th- th- this is sort of this is kind of where I'm going here. Jesus was the master teacher. So what can we learn from how he taught? There are a lot of a lot of things he did. Three popped into my mind that I wanted to share with you. First of all, he told stories. We know that. He told parables. You do not have to necessarily read a Bible story, while I highly recommend it, but children love to hear stories. They love to hear a paraphrased Bible story as well as a personal story. I'm always telling my children, did you know? I learned that lesson the hard way. You know, when I was about five and their eyes get big and they start listening, when I was about five, mm-hmm, I wanted to be a part of this little club so bad. Yeah, that I, yeah, anyway, you, you, get, the, you get the picture. They learn from our stories and they love to hear them. Um, memorizing scripture. Um, you know, Jesus quoted a lot of scripture and we know that. He knew the word and he quoted it by referencing the Bible says and he just talked the Bible both are wonderful and you do want to be careful the older your children get the less effective the Bible says the Bible says the Bible says the Bi- God tells us God tells us God tells us um, if you can incorporate it into your natural conversation the older they get God's word is God's word, and and whether they understand it with their ears or not, their heart will hear it. God has wired us to hear his word, to hear his voice. So um, don't worry about that. Um, He taught the disciples how to pray. We talked a little bit about prayer. But every single time you bow your head with your children, they are learning. You're teaching them how to communicate with God. You're teaching them biblical principles. Um, it's not rote. It's not something that they memorize. Again, you want it to come from their heart. Character quality studies and Proverbs. Let me show you something I brought. When, when my kids were little, this series is by Glenn Keane, and he was an, a Disney illustrator. And if you want, afterwards, I've got about three of these. Y'all can look at these, but these were so wonderful. These books taught scriptural principles, and in the back, it's a story about a little raccoon who lives in King Aaron's wood. And he learns all kinds of things about King Aaron. And um, they're really parables for children, but they have a scripture reference in the back. I don't even know where. I got them at some homeschool thing somewhere. I didn't homeschool, but I went to a thing one time. And we loved these. Um, The other thing I was going to show you, these are character qualities from the Proverbs, but there's another series right here. Um, building Christian character. These these are character quality books, and they are fabulous. They're, they're done in rhyme, and you can come up. I don't even know 
sorry, I can, all the information is on the back of the book. But y'all can come up and take a look at these if you want to order them. I, I'm, I'm assuming you still can do that. Um, and you know what? The great thing is you're here this morning. If you have time and I haven't talked too long, y'all can network and talk to each other. You are better resources for one another than I am for you because you're in, you're in the fray. I'm kind of out of it. I don't have preschoolers anymore, and I know new stuff comes along all the time. Family devotionals. Okay, okay, I'm going to tell you. I had all these big, I, I really thought that's how the, that our children were going to learn God's word was through devotionals. So I got my husband in it, and we're going to have devotionals. That's a good idea, don't you think? And you'll lead that, right? And so we would, we gather, you know, because anyway, and y'all, I can't, I mean, most of the time, they were such disasters. The kids were rolling on the floor, picking at their toes. They were not paying a stitch of attention. And, you know, we would talk and talk and talk and talk. And it just it just did not work. Now, there are plenty of people I know that do family devotionals, and they, they, they're very successful. And I'm really, um, I'm very admiring of it. They really did not work real well for us. But they're, they're great. And don't feel badly if you've attempted it and you can't quite pull it together either because that's okay. Because we're learning. We're learning that it's really not about those, those let's come and learn about Jesus right here, right now. It so rarely happens like that. So I want you to be encouraged about that. Um, okay. Videos. I want to talk to you about videos and television. Your, your window with your children, with your little ones, is so short. I know it seems like eternity right now. But y'all, in a blink, it will be gone. And every tiny bit of time you have with them should be very instructive. So I know there are some great programming. There's great programming, and I know there are great videos. But I would encourage you just to mull through the content. And if it's not purposeful... Set aside and go, let, let's look for something that's a little more purposeful, that might teach us something scripturally. Um, I know that a lot of y'all have boys, and I teach the four-year-olds on Wednesday morning for Refresh. And the boys especially, this was one of my boys' absolute favorite videos, and I think they still make it. It's called Bible Man. And the, the boys get in there, and they're, you know, in our, in our four-year-old room on Wednesdays, they, they start and they end the day. Fighting and rolling, and it's just what they do. And I have never, I'm sure there are new videos, but I have really never seen a better one that teaches solid scripture verses. I mean, Bible Man literally, he's the hero, he's got the cape, the whole nine yards, but he really, really, really takes them through a verse. They learn scripture as it relates to, you know, Bible Man's adventures. Willie Ames, I think, I don't know if y'all know him, doesn't, and they're great. Talk just real quick about structured weekly outings, which include like a Bible study, BSF or CBS, um, Refresh, um, here at Watermark on Wednesday mornings, and even Mother's Day Out programs. Let me, let me park on the Mother's Day Out programs. Given this small window of time that y'all have with these little bitty ones, if the Mother's Day Out program that you're in happens to be in a church, you really, really need to look into this. If Noah's Ark from the pulpit is being preached, um, you know, as just a, a fable, I guarantee you it's being presented to those four-year-olds in Mother's Day Out the same way. Do your homework and really look into that. Your time, again, is too short with them to not be feeding them purposely when you can, when it is within your control to check into it. Literature, this is where my heart really parks on this. Um, when my children were little, we'd been given lots of books, and I believed in reading. And so we had we had the Disney lineup, we had we had a ton of books because my thinking was, it, if they just read, isn't that that's what I grew up learning is that you just read, just learn to love to read. But I took it one step further, and we realized as parents that teaching them to love and read good literature is really what you want. So you're looking for literature that takes them to a nobler, higher place, that, that moves them out of the self-indulgence and into that, that deep place of, of needing 
someone else of being rescued by a savior and whatever you can do to put it, whatever information you can put in front of them look for those books and set the other stuff aside um, just think purposeful okay sing 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 we love to sing sing in the car I know y'all all have your tapes and I know you do this but I get, I've given you a handout that we use in Refresh. We've, we have put a lot of scripture to, to songs. And we've used nursery rhymes and familiar children's tunes um, just to help you with the scripture reference. Now, a lot of songs they're singing, they already... Um, it's already from scripture and they, don't, they just don't even know it but you're probably doing all that rhymes, hand movements, all those wonderful things okay one of my mother's struggles is that I so often want my children just to kind of get it I want to kind of be done I want, I want to be at the place where they've learned all this they know God, they love Him and they're moving on I, I don't want to go through the process because it is harder the process is so hard it's harder than anything I've ever done it's just it's harder than finding a pair of jeans that fit it's I, I it's tough but training our children teaching them God's word is not a fire hose flood it is tiny tiny drops tiny drops over a long period of time one by one over a long period of time into a gigantic reservoir How's that for encouraging? But that, but that's the truth, and that's where the perseverance comes in. One thing I want to read you, and this is this is encouraging. Isaiah fifty-five, eight through eleven. Just when you're getting discouraged, just when you're thinking it's not working, just when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you, you know, you're projecting into the future and you're starting to get anxious, I want you to remember this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Isn't that a great promise? Because we fall short, don't we? I mean, we, kind of, we, we do. We kind of mess up. Right now, your children are listening to what you say. But there is going to come a day when they stop listening to what you say and start watching what you do. And if you have babies, you only have a few more years to pull your act together before you are exposed. <laughs> so, see how it kind of comes full circle? If we're loving God and His Word and we're faithfully learning from the heart how that love relationship with Him works, we will be automatically teaching others about Him and we will live for Him. So living practically before our children, let me just say this. Let me read this to you again. Talk of these when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Okay, does this not sound insanely impossible? To me, this without everything else I just told you, this would this really would be very difficult to do. But it's really not an external list; it's an external response to an inward stimulus. Matthew twelve thirty four says, "From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks." And back to that organ donor thing, there was another, when I was looking at those stories, there was another young lady who had received, as a result of a new lung, was living a whole new life. She was living an abundant life because of a new lung. And she said, these are her words, I want everything I do to have purpose. I want to be worthy of my donor. Isn't that beautiful? That's it. When we are consumed with Christ, we inhale and we exhale Him with every breath. I um, I asked my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter, I told her that I was coming and I was talking to some mothers about teaching God's Word to their children. And I said, what would you, and I'd already finished the lesson. I had, I had completed my thoughts and everything. And I said, what advice would you give them? You know, if you were going to tell them, 
anything at all about teaching their little bitty ones God's word, what would you tell them? And she thought about it for a minute, and I tried to write it down, and here's what she said. She said, I would tell them to not be the kind of family who does the Sunday lifestyle. I would tell them to be a family that incorporates what they do on Sunday in every other part of their life throughout the week. I know there are a lot of parents who want God for their children, who want their children to do the God things, but they themselves do not do it. And then she said, um, I thought this was sweet. She said, you know, it's a lot easier to believe that everything that's coming from God's word is true when you've actually seen it lived out and it works. Isn't that interesting? She had no idea what I had prepared, what God had had impressed on my heart. Um, She probably thought, okay, great, here's my chance to really have that hard conversation with my mother. (laughs) Um, But I want to close with just a few few cautions. Um, When you teach your child God's word, be prepared to be held accountable. And you all know that they will do it. You, you know, I, I took these kids on a field trip not too long ago, and the sign that we were pulling out of the parking lot, the sign said no left turn. But I, but I was following everybody. I didn't know my way. I didn't know how to get there, and they all turned. They'd all already gone ahead, and I knew that I could head them off if I turned right. And it said no right turn. Yes, I did. I turned right. And the whole car would be like, Minutes for death. That sign said, don't turn right. I'm like, I know, I know. Okay, but, and I started verbalizing all these excuses. Well, but you know, it was a wise decision because really, we're, we don't want to be lost now, do we? You know, and um, I was so embarrassed. Afterwards, I had to totally apologize and tell them, I'm so sorry. I, I disobeyed a law, and that was so wrong. And, and God tells us to obey his laws, and I'm really sorry. Will y'all please forgive me? And the little boy's all, yes, yes, ma'am. And then I had to call. There was one little boy, and I had to call his mother. Because <laughs> she found out about it. Oh, it's, so, it's just awful. And then finally, we just be prepared to be amazed. Because you all, there are going to be times that in your best effort you feel like you are failing or you're going to feel like you never even communicated certain things. And then there's going to be that moment that your child says something that you do a double take on because you think to yourself, how do you know that? And I've told this story before, but it is one of my favorites. When my oldest was probably, probably four years old, we were having this discussion about God and God's face. And I said, well, you know, no one's ever seen God. How about no one's really ever seen him? And my four-year-old goes, oh, yes, they have. And I said, oh, no, no, no. No, they really haven't. He goes, they did. They have. The disciples saw God. They saw Jesus. And I was like, oh. I don't ever remember sitting down and having a structured conversation about Jesus being God. But by golly, somehow you got that. And so there are going to be, I want you to be so encouraged. There are going to be plenty of those moments where you go, I never said that. But God says it. And he says it in such creative, wonderful ways through you. You are his expression to your children of his deepest love. One last thing. I know there are going to be mothers. And there are mothers, and I know them, who will tell you they've done everything right. They've done Good News Bible Clubs. They've gone to church. They never miss. They talk about God. They love Him. They read His Word with their family. And their children still have disappointed them and have disappointed the heart of God with their choices. You're going to meet these mothers. You probably know several already. But here's what I want to tell you. God is either sovereign or He is not. There is no in-between. And his story for your child is exactly that. It is his story for your child. And at some level, you're going to have to release them and let him write their story. It's been written, and it's going to play out. And you can pray your heart out, and God asks you to do that. But don't lose heart when every single thing you've done right looks like it didn't work out. It's not a magic charm. I'm not, we're not, I'm not presenting anything to you because it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. We can close our books and go home and check that one off the list. Success. 
it's really not what this is. It is a lifelong lesson of learning to trust a sovereign God who loves us. No matter what happens. Um, it's really funny. Brett, God, does, we just show up. God does the rest. And every time Brett leaves for a workout, I'm always asking him when he comes back home, how was your workout? And Brett goes, it's always a good workout. Every day is a good workout when I show up. So really, this is every day is a great day when you show up and allow God to work through you to teach your children all about him and his word. The most effective tool you have, you all, is your relationship with him. And a very wise man once said recently, just follow Christ. So I've loved visiting with y'all. And um, we're finished. Let me pray for, for you all. And then I'm, they're probably way late in getting out of here. I don't know what time, time frame is. Are y'all okay? Okay. Let me pray for you. Um, Father, we are so enormously grateful that we serve you, that you are patient with us and you're understanding with us and that this is not really so much a responsibility teaching our children about you as it is a response from our heart for what you've done for us. And I would pray for every single one of these mothers. If I knew their names one by one, I would pray for every single one of them by name. Oh, Lord, that you would bring down in their families, that you would love on their children, that you would allow your love to be so full-blown in their hearts that you would overflow, that their children on a daily basis would experience the blessings of the overflow from their heart as they love you. And I pray for these children by name. If I knew their names, I'd pray for them by name, Lord, that your love would be strong on these babies and that they would grow up to be men and women whose hearts are faithful and whose spirits are faithful to you and um, who will come to know you, Lord, at early ages, that they might experience a full life here on earth, knowing you as their Savior. And it is in your precious Son's name we ask all of these things. Amen.